All right. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon or good morning, depending on wherever you're at when you're listening to this podcast. My name is Colin Simprom, and I'm also with my co-host, Kyrie Hill. Introduce yourself, Kyrie. What's going on, guys? I'm back for another part to the NBA draft. Let's go. Let's get it. So now, if you haven't tuned in, please tune in to the previous episode. We did an NBA draft recap. We're going to be grading each teams on their draft selection. In their previous episode, we had covered the Eastern Conference. We gave our grades on the respective teams, gave our thoughts, and et cetera. And we'll be doing the Western Conference in today's episode of the Restricted Zone Podcast. So, I think last episode in the Eastern Conference, overall, the Eastern Conference did pretty well. I mean, is it safe to say that they did pretty well? We gave them pretty good grades? Yeah. Um. So, I feel like this draft for these players, it had a lot to do with fit. I feel like um, with a lot of these teams, it dealt with fit that determines, like, the – the success these players are going to have, you know what I mean? I feel like this draft was really uh, was really set on fit. So I feel like it was really easy for a lot of these players to end up in the wrong situation just be, just based off of the draft order. But I give I, I think given all that, the E's did a pretty good job. Uh, yeah, so I'm like I said, I, we gave them overall. It wasn't that many bad grades we gave because we thought all half of the selections were pretty good. It was pretty it was pretty nice. So now we're going to be covering the Western Conference, as I said before, and we're going to start off with. The Northwest, we're going to go by division by division. So, obviously, the Northwest and the Western Conference goes first. And then in, in the Northwest, if you're not knowledgeable or you're not an NBA expert or a fan, so it'll be the Denver Nuggets, Oklahoma City Thunder, Utah Jazz, Portland Trailblazers, and the last but not least, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They had the number one pick in the draft, so we had a lot to talk about that. But we'll start off with the Denver Nuggets. So, the Denver Nuggets drafted – Zeke Naj, Zeke Naj, Nick Zeke Naj. I'm, I'm uh, really bad at pronouncing names. Uh, that's why my co-host here is going to help me. Yeah. I don't like embarrass myself too much. And RJ Hamden. So I like I like the Denver Nuggets draft pick. I I really like it. I mean Zeke, he was a guy that he exploded up in the high school rankings back when he was in high school. He went from being a top sixty to a top thirty, top twenty recruit. And he had a pretty great season in Arizona. He was gaining some buzz in the beginning of the year. He looked like he could have been a lottery pick, but that kind of dwindled down during the play during, uh, in the beginning, I mean, during the middle of the season. Uh, but I think it was a great pick for the Denver Nuggets. It gives them in-depth at the five. He could play the four-two as well. Uh, R.J. Hampton, he was the number two point guard out of the 2019 club behind Cole Anthony. Uh, they had him originally being a top-ten pick, but, you know, he didn't play so well overseas, and that kind of – Hurt his jazz stock a little bit, but I think it's a great fit for the Nuggets. You want to look at him as more of a project, more than a guy that's going to come in and contribute right away. Like I said, six five, six six, long arms. He's athletic. He can't shoot, but that's something that's obviously he in the right environment with the Nuggets. They will help him there. He also got Jamal Murray and Monte Morris as great examples to learn from. Take him under his wing. Also okay. Gary Harris as well. Uh, like I said, I like the pick overall. I mean, I'm gonna give it an A plus. I'm gonna give it an A. Just let me yeah, give it I'm a. gonna have to agree with you. I really like Zeke Naji. He exploded onto the scene quick at Arizona last year. Um, he's very energetic. Um, he gets into the paint well. He rebounds well. He even has a good face up jumper that I like to see improve in the NBA. Um, Absolutely. I feel like they got him as an like insurance uh, because Paul uh, Paul Millsap was a free yeah. agent this summer. He ended up resigning, but I think that would have been a great backup option behind him anyway. Oh, and then the tutelage that he could learn from Paul Millsap. You know, he's a he's an all star. You know, definitely at the time one of the best power forwards in the game. So mm-hmm. definitely, that's great for his development. RJ yeah. Hampton. I mean, what's your thoughts on RJ Hampton? Um, so RJ Hampton, I really like too. He's intriguing. Um, 
he just, like you said, he's a project. He needs to develop a lot more. Uh, he has to get his frame a lot bigger. Um, I feel like they got him to kind of replace Tory Craig, who I believe left in free agency this year also. Um, he's not going to be nearly the defensive presence he was um, as Tory Craig was, but I feel like he could be uh, a better scorer. Um, he's very athletic, and I feel like he uh, under Mike Malone, that's great tutelage also. I feel like he'll uh, really fit in there well and develop well. They do a good job of developing their young players. No, they definitely do. Like I said, I think this is a great selection for RJ Hampton. Like I said before, I said it before again, I'm more of a guy. It's not about the draft the draft number you got drafted in. It's the more the position and the team fit-wise. So I think it's a great for RJ Hampton. I don't know drafting him. What do they do with Monte Morris? Do they still keep him or they're looking to move him anytime in the future? I'm not sure. But when you have a talent like RJ Hampton, uh, it's definitely something you want to look at grooming and making him like, you know, that great backup or, you know, potentially in the future he can sure. start. Five. Because he, he was arguably one of the best players coming out of high school. I mean, everybody's seen that potential. Right. And um, he kind of shocked us all when he decided not to go to college and went over to Australia, the same league LaMelo Ball was playing in. And um, like many predicted, he struggled. He's really slight in his frame. Um, He's playing with grown men over there. It's, it's, it's a professional league. We've seen LaMelo have his growing pains also. Absolutely. So um, I feel like – I feel like the Nuggets should be comfortable with the pick they got, especially at 24. Definitely. I think that's one of the steals of the Jazz, too. I already told you. my uh, Most of the steals I have is, is two on the East and two on the West. It might be a little bit more on the West, but we'll get to that later on. Yeah, I got one of the West, too. I can't I can't wait to talk about him later. You'll yeah, see. Definitely can't wait. So, now that's enough with the Nuggets. Time to put the plate away. It's time to get to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, their Jazz – selection was pretty interesting uh all of them are european prospects one is from france uh i can't pronounce the first one named alexi poku can you even can you want to help me out here i'm embarrassing myself right now um who's the 17th pick in the first round the 17th pick i'm gonna just say alexi i'm gonna just say alexi part of my um inability to pronounce his name so I did my research on him, honestly. I wasn't that knowledgeable about him, but the fact that the Oklahoma City Thunder took him in the 17th pick in the draft might speak to his potential. I mean, he's got good size. His athleticism isn't that really great. His defense is subpar at best. His strength, he's not really uh, – he's not going to really intimidate anyone or move anyone in the post. He's pretty quick for for a guy his size. Not the fastest, but he's actually pretty quick. He's seven feet tall. He's 190, so he definitely got to bulk up. He's because now he's playing the grown man's league uh, in the NBA. All of them are athletic, bulked up. Uh, you know, I just think uh, I think it's a pretty good pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, as a backup center, I think it's Trey Stephen Adams. So, who's the current center for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Um, I know right now during the rebuilding stage. So, I guess that 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 honestly is a really good question. I'm not sure. I know out of this trade, they got James Johnson, who's a power forward. He's not right. that center role, and with another. Uh, with one, one of the other draft picks, they got Admiral Schofield, who I remember was really good at Tennessee, but he's more of a power forward. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't really see him playing that role either. And also, Alex, I don't know how to say his name either. I'm not going <laughs> to But right. he, um, he's an intriguing prospect also, but he, he, he's a project uh, full on. He's seven foot tall, but he's 195 pounds. And he's like a point guard drafting, trapped in the center's body, really. I mean, he has a smooth game. He's really good in transition. But um, I just don't see him getting a lot of burn, a lot of playing time uh, in the NBA. So, in the NBA, just yet. 
Well, I mean, considering the fact that OKC is in the rebuilding stage, I mean, they're obviously going to throw him in the fire. And just, you know, that's that's the best way for a prospect to learn. Obviously, throw him in the fire. Of course, having that mentor in the background is definitely a lot better. But, of course, throwing him in the fire, you know, if they say going through the fire builds you up. So, And then the second pick the Oklahoma City Thunder made was Theo. He's from France. He's the second pick in the 34th. Uh, actually, he was another guy that initially, before, like, college basketball season started, uh, he was ranked pretty high as a lottery pick. It yeah, was I remember two- him being in, uh, in a lot of first-round mock drafts. Yes, it was Frank. It was it was actually a debate who would be the better point guard between Killian Haynes, Killian Haynes yeah. and, and him. But, mm-hmm. you know, I guess he didn't he didn't do too well in the season. Obviously, I looked it up. He didn't do too well. His stats look subpar. If you go off the stats, if you're an analytical guy, you say, mm, he didn't really do anything. He didn't play that many minutes. He only played 16 minutes a game. Uh, he's definitely a guy, I think it's another project for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's definitely guys worth nurturing. If you, if I had to describe his game, think of the point guard from the New York Knicks, Frank Nick, Nick, that's your point guard. Come on, Nick, Nick Frank Tillakina. Frank Tillakina. Right. So think of him as a bigger Frank. He's six five, six six with shoes on. He's, he's 185, so he weighs more. He's a little bit taller than Frank. Uh, he's not really a great shooter like Frank, but he's a definitely an okay defender. So he's kind of – he think of Frank, but just bigger and just a little bit leaner. Uh, he's not really an overwhelming athlete, but he uses his side pretty well. He's got average explosiveness, not really a quick athletic guard like Jaja Morant, Darren Fox, you know, those type of guards. Don't expect any of that from him. He's a little bit right-hand dominant, too. I noticed when watching some of his highlights, he kind of focuses on his right, so it's kind of easy to predict them. He struggled with going with his left, so most point guards in the NBA are ambidextic. Of course, they had their few spots. Uh, I mean, listen, to get him in the second-round pick for a guy that was initially – Go to be put at the lottery. I mean, I think it's a good fit for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think he's a project you could definitely develop, you know, since the point guard of the future. I don't know if they're going to keep make Shy Gilles Alexander be the point guard, keep him at the two, but he's definitely a guy worth developing, in my opinion. Who do you think, who do you think will be their starting point guard then? Man, I mean, Shy, I, I, me personally speaking, I would pick Shay Gilles Alexander as my point guard because he played so well at that in Kentucky. And seeing him play that, and uh, but he's a combo guard too, so it doesn't matter where you put Shea Gilles Alexander, he'll excel either way. Me personally, I prefer him to be at the point. So, but then that would kind of hinder Theo, you know, because he's a point guard. He's not a shooter at all, too. That's the problem. So putting him at the two doesn't benefit nobody. So I guess they're, since they're inside a rebuilding stage, you could put Theo at the one and then put Shea at the two. And Shea's been the lead. He's studying the Chris Paul. He's starting to understand some good point guards, so he could definitely, he's definitely going to be their main guy going forward. So, but this is this is my thing with the Oklahoma City Thunder's pick. They they already have a few young guards that they're de- in the process of developing. In one in like you said, Shea Gilders Alexander, another one in um, Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky. Right. Well, and also they drafted another point guard with the 37th pick or they acquired the rights to him, Vic Kredjic, who is a 6'8 point guard, who's kind of in the same position as their number uh, – the 17th pick in the second round. Um, right. And I, I just didn't know where he was fit at, too. That's one thing I'm looking at it. So they have, they have three really raw point – really point guard or point forward projects in the works right now. So I don't really – I don't really see how that's a step forward in their direction of a rebuild. And they draft a they draft a guy like James Johnson, who's a good tough guy. He's a good um he's a good locker room guy. But I don't really see what his role outside of that would really be on this team either. 
But at the same time, as you look at it, I'm not necessarily like this is why for me, I would just give it a B minus, a B, because simply off the fact of they're not drafting guys to make an impact. They're drafting guys just based on potential since they're in the current rebuilding stage. You see the Oklahoma City Thunder stockpiling on draft picks. They're trying to bank on drafting three Hall of Fame MVP players again, which I, to be honest with me, do you think Oklahoma City Thunder will ever have that luck again, drafting back to back? Kevin Durant, 07, Russell, 08, James Harden, 09. Do you think OKC will ever have that type of luck again? I mean, look at all the picks they have. They they might just. <laughs> like, man, that's I mean, not Colin. I mean, they already have the potential to, to draft their first one next year in uh, the, that, that 2021, uh, that 2021 class. Man, that, 2020, that 2021 class is stacked. But I actually, I actually want to make a reference to that later on. We're going to definitely touch on that. We're not going to touch on that now. But – like I said before, I'm going to give OKC a, a B minus just based on the show up. I'm not drafting on impact now. It's current projects. They're in the rebuilding stage. Maybe maybe three of these guys could potentially be the stable hold for OKC. Who who really knows? But if I had to bank on the best prospect, I would bank on Theo. I would also bank on Theo, but he also he also leaves me uneasy a little bit also because as a Knicks fan, I've seen what Frank Vitilikina's development has been like over the past couple of years, and it's not encouraging. So that's why I said think of a bigger Frank. Huh? That's why I said that's why I'm telling guys who don't know who Theo is is look at him as a bigger Frank. Yeah. So I would like to see if his offensive game develops because Frank's defensive game is already there. He's already a defensive level. I mean, an NBA level defensive player. Oh, absolutely. That don't mean. I can see uh, Theo also having that potential, but I want to see if his scoring potential is any better. I hear he he has an okay jump shot from mid range mostly. But I want to see if you can stretch that out from three point range in the NBA. All right. So what? So what grade would you give the Oklahoma City Thunder for the draft? I know they're not. I know they're not drafting to be competitive now, but I just feel like there's a lot better prospects out there to be drafted. So I, yeah. I, I want them to get. I want to give them the D minus. I don't give them a full blown F because they did do a good job of stacking up other draft picks for what for classes uh, further down the line that seem to be a lot deeper than this one. See, and I like – I understand your reasoning. I'm going to give them a B-minus just simply because, you know, I like I said, they're not drafting for impact. They're not drafting for guys that could just impact the game right away. They're not competing for anything for the next possibly 10 years. Who right. really knows how fast the rebuilding process goes? But like I said, I'm going to give them well, a B-minus. Two of these guys, the one, Theo, and um, Alexei, I feel like those two have the most potential out of them. I like Alexei's game, honestly. I just see, I just want to see him develop also. Like you said, he's, he's a really uh, long-term project. Uh, right. he, has uh-huh. he, he has a lot of games under his belt on playing for Olympiagos over in Serbia. And that's a no. tough And that's to say, experience definitely triumphs. It definitely comes in handy no matter what situation you're in, regardless of what you do. But we'll, moving forward with that, we're going to go to the Utah Jazz. How you feel about the Jazz draft selection? So they drafted – Utah, they drafted uh, – well, you already know, but for the people out there that don't know, I'm a big Syracuse fan. I bleed orange. Uh, so they went and drafted my guy Elijah Hughes with the 39th pick in the second round, and I actually really like that pick. Elijah Hughes is an explosive scorer, or has a potential to be an explosive scorer. He had to carry a lot of the load at Syracuse uh, this past year, wasn't which wasn't a really good an offensive team. They had a lot of um, raw talent on that team that just really couldn't put the ball in a bucket at times. Um, but he has sneaky athleticism. He's not the most explosive, most explosive, but he has sneaky athleticism. He could get to the basket. He's really good at getting to his spots to pull up for the jumpers. Also, he's uh, he's got potential to be a really good three-level scorer. Uh, the only thing about me is I don't see him having. 
a lot of potential to become that backup tube guard anytime soon, being that they just re-signed Jordan Clarkson. Um, to, I don't know how much the deal was, but I know it was a pretty – I think it was about a three-year deal. So that, that seems to be their backup spark plug going, um, going into the future right now. But I do like the pick, right? I do like the Elijah Hughes pick a lot. How do you think about the, the Kansas the Kansas center? The Kansas because I love that pick for the Jazz, honestly. I think him backing up Rudy Gobert. Yo, it gives him a lot of it gives him a lot of uh space eating that Rudy Gobert doesn't give. Rudy Gobert eats space up vertically, but not laterally. And he's not very physical. But so I think that'd be a good player uh backing up behind him. I'm trying to struggle so hard to pronounce the Kansas player name as a as a defense. As a BK, so remember Kalena as a BK, he used to play for the Warriors. Oh, I remember him. He was actually like, listen, him back in that Rudy Gobert is gonna scare some teams, man. Just like just given the front court, they have almost unfair size, length, and F. Let listen to me. I just love the pick. He's gonna be great studying under Rudy. He's gonna teach him how to be defensively instincts, everything like that. I mean, I, I'm going to give this a B plus. I'm going to give it a B plus. I love it. So, uh, I'll give them a B plus also. I feel, I feel like uh, as a week, he'll, he'll carve himself out a role faster, maybe faster than Elijah Hughes will. But I'm, uh, my happy, I'm happy with those picks. I'll give him an A. Right. I just want to see uh, as a week, stay healthy. He, you know, he has a lot of uh, injury problems back at Kansas. So, I just want to see him stay healthy. All right, so moving third, we're going to the Portland Trailblazers, the home of the Nike headquarters. I'm going to start off with saying I do. I just don't – I don't even say I don't like the pick. I just don't understand where CJ even fits in. Like, I don't even I don't even know why they drafted him. Yeah. They have so many guards as it is. I mean, clearly you're going to look at it as a guy. He's going to spend some time in the G League. Gary Trent. Death, right, like. He's looking at overseas most likely. I mean, like I said, no doubt in him if he works hard enough. Dang, you know, in camp. I mean, honestly, you, you never know what could happen if he plays defense and shows he keeps a sword. I just don't understand why they would draft him. It just doesn't make any sense for them to even take him with that many guards they have on the roster. So, yeah. uh, honestly, I'm, I'm going to give this a C, honestly. Just, but I'm going to give it a C just because I like CJ. I watched him play at Washington State. Like he's definitely – he's not the most ideal athlete, but he's and he doesn't get that much separation on his shots. He's not really that great of a shot creator, but it's hard. But it's hard to bet against a guy who went through tough times at Washington State. You know the Ernie Kent era at Washington State with the you know pretty pretty bad, and he survived that. I mean honestly, he's a hardworking guy. You know the work ethic is there. I'm just giving him just off the C. That's why I'm not giving him a D. I'm just giving him a C. That's my thoughts on it. What about you? So the CJLB pick at number 46, I'm going to have to give a D because based off what you've seen for Gary Trent Jr., just in the bubble alone makes it solidified that he's their backup two, their solidified backup two guard um, going into next season. So I don't see where CJLB could possibly get a lot of playing time, especially behind uh, Ant, Ant Simons, who's shown to be uh, have a potential to be a really strong player. I really like Ant Simons' game. Um, they just re-signed Rodney Hood. He's coming back off of, an, I believe, is an Achilles tear. Right. No, and, yeah, he definitely got into it. Yeah, Achilles And And uh, he's, he's a big-time scorer, and that's what seems to be C.J. Ellaby's game. He's more of like – he has the potential to be like a 3-A-D wing. He, uh, he's like a sharpshooter. Uh, he kind of fits the mold of like a, Der- a Danny Green or even a Gary Trent Jr., who, who they already had filling in that role. So, I don't, uh, I don't really understand the pick. I mean – 
like I said, hopefully he could carve out some time instead of put himself and make himself a fixture in the rotation for the Blazers, but I just don't see it. But last and not least in the Northwest Division, we go for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, see, we're not even going to go up the obvious number one pick. We're going to start from the 23rd pick they selected, Leandro Bomero. He's from Argentina. I, I actually like this pick, honestly. I think he fits well with the Wolves. Denzel Valentine, they of him is like that. And he was a guy, he's a Swiss Army, he could do it all. He's a versatile guard. He can be used in every perimeter position. And he's definitely got high basketball IQ, too. He's one of the smartest players in, in the draft. I mean, honestly, he's he's not – his athleticism isn't – he's not going to have you say, wow, but it's like it's solid athleticism. Uh, listen to me. I just think it's a good pick for the, the Minnesota Timberwolves to have. He's an excellent passer. Pick and roll is just on point. I like this pick for the uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I like this. At, 20, at 23, it's not bad. 6'6", 180, got to bring up his weight a little bit more, but – you know, I, I I like this pick. I really do like this pick. Yeah, so I'm not super knowledgeable on Leandro Balmero. I know that uh, the Knicks had drafted him at one point. I was I was like, who's this guy? Like, I've never heard of him before, honestly. I, ha- I haven't really even seen him on a lot of NBA draft mocks. Right. Um, so I kind of want to move forward to, like, the Jaden McDaniels pick. I feel like that's, that was a better pick by them. Um, he seems to be a bit of a project. Also, he's about 6'10". I think over the summer he's grown to about 205 pounds. He put on about 10, 15 pounds of muscle. Um, he can shoot the ball. He has a great play. He has great playmaking ability, but he's very raw. Um, he might he forces shots a lot and he forces passes a lot and just offensive things that's not there, which leads to a lot of turnovers. So um, I do like Jaden McDaniels, but I feel like he he's a bit of a project also in himself. And they also have a lot of depth at that power forward position, like Nas Reed. Um, of course, you got Carl Towns in the big man position. Um, man, the J.D. McDaniels pick. So he was a guy my college team recruited really, really hard to. It was a bitter battle between Washington and Kentucky. He chose his hometown state, which is fine. No, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, man, he, he was a guy everyone thought he would be a top five, top ten pick in the draft. And early in the mock drafts, he was rated as high as number six. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely a guy teams looked at and thought he would dominate his one-and-done season. Obviously, that was far from it. Part of it plays with the point guard position. Quadi Green, he was academically unilegible, so they didn't have a solid staple at the one that could feed and create shots for other players. I honestly feel like J.D. McDaniels really had a bad college season, but I don't think that should determine that he won't do good in the NBA. I feel like he's a guy. Some guys just aren't college basketball players. They're getting right. them suited for the NBA. And I, I would like to see what he could have done going overseas for a year after high school. Exactly. Like, or I just felt like maybe the fit at Washington with Isaiah Stewart there, you know, maybe he wasn't able to be himself. Maybe if he had gone to Kentucky, that might have been a better fit for him. I feel like if he goes to the NBA, he'll surprise a lot of people, honestly. I mean, when you look at him, you think of Jonathan Isaac just based on potential, what Jonathan Isaac could have had um, that people had. Like, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a better ball handler and, play, and playmaker, I think, um, than Jonathan Isaac. I think that was one of the main knocks on Jonathan Isaac. when He, he was wasn't a playmaker, right? He was not a playmaker yeah. at all. Like, he had like a high, to me, at least, he had a high bus ceiling when he was coming out of Florida State. And the thing is what, what Jay McDaniels, too, is like he his defense is definitely something that if he wants time on the court, he's definitely going to have to bring that effort into it. 
I mean, honestly, the the inconsistency and inefficiency was the main two things that dropped his stock so low. But like I said, I honestly feel like maybe the fit at Washington kind of messed him up, just like how Cole Anthony went to UNC and it brought his stock down so low where he was considered a top five, top three pick of the draft. Like I said before, I think those guys are guys that maybe the college style system isn't for them, but the NBA will definitely help them get to where they want to be. So And uh, another thing about Jalen McDaniels, I think one of the main things outside of his game that he's really going to have to improve on is just his body. I think his frame is just going to have to fill out. Yeah, he's, he's definitely wide. He's skinny, skinny. Yeah, but that gives him a lot of advantages uh, in, like, in his play style, though. Like, he's really slippery. Like, he can get to the lanes. Um, He's really uh, simple. See, but he's really inefficient. But like I said before, that's just me thinking that in the college system, that just yeah. wasn't. Like I said, but like I said, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, in more of an open court setting, I, I like to see him play. That's why I like. That's why I said I'd I'd want to see him kind of. I would like to see him uh, in the past go like overseas or see what he could have done overseas at least. Right. I, I mean, like, I feel like that game would have shaped him a lot better. I think it would have too. But like I said, I like the Jay McDaniel's pick. I, I like it. I don't see nothing wrong with it. So last but not least, obviously, Anthony Edwards. So, man, I, I'm so half and half on this. Like, honestly, I'm not that high on Anthony Edwards. Like, some people. Really? Like, you know, so this is how I, I evaluate the number one pick. It's just my method. It's me. Mm-hmm. So, I look at the number one pick, and I look at what he had been the number one pick in last year's draft or the draft in the 2021 draft. Like, was that, what he had been the number one pick in last year's draft, obviously, no. Zion Williamson was just an animal. And and even if he, Zion wasn't, I would take John Morant over Anthony Edwards. Oh, definitely. That's just me. That, that's just honestly me. So I look at it from that standpoint and I say, well, he's a guy, he was just, he was able to be the number one pick because the draft was so weak. That's why he was able to be the number one pick. And then I look at the next year's draft, the 2021 draft, although, like, you look at that draft and some scouts are saying that's the most heavily talented draft in years. And mm-hmm. I look at that. You look at Kade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Terrence Carter, BJ Boston, Evan Mobley. Yeah. Like, I don't even – like, it's so many more prospects. And you look at, well, what he had been the number one pick in that draft? Oh, no. Nah. Nah. He, so he that, was like top, top 10 – top 15 maybe. Top 15. I don't even, I don't even put him top 10 because that's just how deep next year's draft is really going to be. So that's why I look at Andy Edwards and I say, man, I'm not that – that's how I evaluate my number one picks in the so, draft. So, bro, listen, listen. So – do you think me, honestly? Yo, 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 listen real quick. Just a quick question. Right. So, do you think there are a lot of guys in this draft possibly that might have felt forced to enter this draft because they know how um how stacked next year's draft is or how deep next year's draft is? They might they might have felt forced to enter this year's. Hello. And at the draft, you went to the combine, did the workout. You could always come back as long as you didn't sign an agent, you know. Bro, you, you kind of dipped out on me because I couldn't hear what you were saying at first. Oh, okay. So 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 you asked me the question of whether or not uh, that I think a lot of players were forced to enter the NBA draft, right? Yeah, yeah, So, honestly, I think the pandemic was one of, like, the strong. No, not, not, not so much the pandemic, but how deep next year's draft is. You know what? I think because you know what? Like these guys, I'm sure, and the and you know, and the people in the circle, they have to pay attention and look at the quality of the drafts. For sure. Like, like they had to. You that's something you, you had to. Age is definitely in your ear about that. 
you have to look at that. Like, it, it's not even just a matter of do you have belief or not. It's about taking the, the best chance you have of putting yourself in the best position to get drafted and have a guaranteed contract. And like you said before, next year's draft is deep. I only mean six prospects. There are at least 10, 12 more prospects in that draft. You can make an argument that could have gone top 10 in this year's draft. That's why I look at it. That's how I evaluate my number one picks. And the Edwards wouldn't have been the first pick in the draft, even if Zion wasn't even in that draft. And next year's draft, he wouldn't have been a number one pick either. That's why I look at Anthony Edwards as a guy. He fits the Timberwolves, obviously. If you want to go based off most talented and most potential, LaMelo Ball easily overtakes Anthony Edwards, in my opinion. But like I said, he doesn't fit. D'Angelo Russell's there. What happens? But they did. Jeff Teague signed with, signed with the, um, the, the Celtics, so – I mean, you could have put LaMelo in that backup spot. But, you know, like I said, Anthony Edwards at the two. Like I said, I, I'm so iffy on him. I mean, as a number one pick, always time will tell, obviously. But uh, I don't know. I just don't know how to feel about Anthony Edwards. I just don't think he's that great of a prospect at the number one pick. So, all right, so this is my take on it. Like, earlier in the episode, I said that this draft was based a lot on fit. So... Me personally, I believe James Wiseman was the best player coming out of this draft. But we'll we'll talk about a little him later when we get to the Warriors. Right. Um, yeah, like I said, I think he was the best player in the draft. But I felt like Minnesota couldn't necessarily take him number one overall, obviously, because of Carl Anthony Towns. You right. Yeah, I, I, I felt like if it was just based on like he's so talented, like could you put James Wiseman at the four? And try to make it work with Carl Anthony Towns? Do you want to take that risk or do no? You, do you want to risk that clash? I think because because listen listen do you do you think because I'm pretty sure they worked Wiseman out I'm almost 100 percent positive they worked Wiseman out they definitely did so do you think if they would even saw a glimpse of that working out with Carl Anthony Towns but I'm, they but I'm they pretty, hold on hold on hold on I'm pretty sure they even talked it over with Carl Anthony Towns I'm pretty sure they I'm pretty sure they tried to put two and two together because when it comes to the NBA draft teams they have the Cross all their teams and dot all their odds. Right. So I'm pretty sure they they tried that. Or they try they they tried they tried that scenario. They try to imagine that scenario. And I feel like if they really felt like they could have worked, they would have put they would have got Watchmen. But right. I just felt like they, they they really didn't see that working out or they really didn't see that fitting. Right. Okay. No. That's that that's pretty that, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I just felt like they just had to Edwards because he's like that safe pick. Where like everyone expects you to pick it, it makes sense from the app. You know, everyone thinks it's a safe pick. The Wolves took. That's why in the Wolves in 2011 they took Derrick Williams because he looked like the safest pick at number two. And you know, those those safe picks. Not like you could think of Derrick Williams, Otto Porter. You could look at some of the guys that were considered safe picks in the draft, and then they don't really pan out to be anyone's special years later. That's yeah. my biggest worry with Anthony Edwards. Like, I'm really worried about that because, like I said, that's how I evaluate my number one picks. I look at the previous draft and the, and the draft next year. Would mm-hmm. they even have been in consideration for that number one spot? No, in an absolute H-E-L-L, no. Anthony Edwards definitely wouldn't even have been considered. So, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to give the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm going to give them a B plus. Okay. I, I like that. I'm All right, so – me personally, I like. I was really high on Anthony Edwards coming out of high school. I really, uh, I really like his game. Um, a lot of people compare him to Victor Oladipo, and that's honestly exactly what I see. Like a bigger Victor Oladipo, 
Mm, they're throwing deep. At this, you know what? I like that pick compared to the D Wade comparisons because they they drive me crazy. Those these those D Wade comparisons drive I me. Like, crazy. I didn't like that either. I'd say Tyreek Evans over over the week. Tyreek Evans is a guy. If he was twenty years old, I would draft him over Anthony Edwards. That's <laughs> how much. Denver I, rookie of the year. Yes, he won. The Kings ruined Tyreek Evans. I said before and I said it again. They tried to put him at the three, which made no sense whatsoever. Kept him at the point. We'll talk about the Kings later. I got a lot to say about them. Oh, absolutely. We got to talk about that later. Go ahead. Back to Anthony Edwards. Yes. So I, I do like this pick. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs about him though. One of the one of the main ones that I think being is that he's really – he's used to having the ball in his hands. You can see in high school, you can see over at Georgia, he's used to having the ball in his hands. He's used to creating right. uh, with the ball in his hands. Right. My thing is, in Minnesota, you have D'Angelo Russell, who, who's obviously at his best when he has the ball in his hands and when he's conducting the offense. And that pick and roll with Carl Anthony Towns and him? Oof. There you go. That, that pick and roll with D'Lo and Cat? Oh, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. That is best. And my thing is – so was Anthony Edwards going to be able to adapt and score off a of pin down, to score off of coming off screens, and score off of cuts and stuff like that, and not and not rely 100% on scoring with the ball in his hands? If he could, if he could get that down, Pat, I don't see why he can't fit with this uh, with this Timberwolves team. Well, listen, they say he has All Star p- potential. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you have to say that because he's the number one pick. I would hope he's All Star potential because the Wolves. Don't often have the number one pick. The last number one pick they had was was Carl Anthony Towns. They never had a number one pick prior to that. Am I am I mistaken? Kevin Garnett was the fifth pick in his draft, so they yeah. never had the number one pick in the draft. So hopefully Anthony Edwards could turn out to be an all star. But like I said, you know that's how I evaluate my number one picks in the draft. I had I had a little more uh, to say about them though because I didn't even uh, I didn't even talk about like the defensive aspect about them, which I could really like, I really think he could be a threat in. No. Definitely get, no. Actually, talk about that, man. Come on, yeah, bring it out there. So I feel like he has a lot of potential to be an elite defender. He has a long wingspan. He's quick, and like I said, at this point in his career, he's more of an athlete than he is a basketball player. So right. once he gets those instincts of a like of a more disciplined basketball player on defense, I feel like he could be a problem. It's just that's that's the only if factor. Um, I'm sorry, if factor. If he can get yeah. that discipline. And um, if you can get that consistency and focus and playing defense, I feel like that he'll be a terror on the defensive side of the court. So, what grade did you give the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, draft selection? Um, I, I give I have to agree with you. I give him a B plus also. B plus. I mean, so how do you think about my my first pick draft evaluation? How do you think about my method of evaluating? I, I, I definitely understand that because that's why I asked you about that draft. If you felt like a lot of players were forced to uh to enter this draft this year because of Absolutely. how next year is. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like if they wanted to, to bet on themselves and feel like I could have an outstanding season, mm-hmm. then, then at the same time, it looked like at the time, it looked like college basketball might not even have happened. So it was just like, you know, they you just. Know what? Have- I, can, I, can give you a, I can give you a name that comes to mind with that. Who? Khalil Whitney from Kentucky. Oh, man. You know, and you know what? I want to talk about him, man. <laughs> he did not deserve that top 10. Like, it was six six games for me, no, five games for me watching Kentucky. I'm like, you know what? This guy's not top ten material. I don't yeah. know how he yeah. got another guy who dominated high school just based on physicality. Yep. Then he goes to college. He can't shoot. And you know what's crazy? If he had bought into the 
bringing the energy, being a Swiss Army, playing hard, like oh, yeah. dirty oh, yeah. work. Yep. And that's what Cameron Fletcher for the for the Wildcats is doing right now. Listen, we're gonna talk about college basketball in another episode. I don't even want to yeah. touch on it. Khalil Whitney, he that if he and then the thing is too with NBA teams, I know they don't like is a guy who just quits. Mm-hmm. He Thirteen games into the season, if he had just bought into the role Coach Cal had him, he's trying to take all these all these shots on the perimeter, and you know you're not a shooter. And he, he should never declared, bro. He shouldn't. He shouldn't have declared. He should have came back, did another year. Like I said, the draft could have been immensely deep. Not could have been. It is immensely deep next year. So he looked at it. Was like, you know what? My chances probably aren't that high going into this draft unless he, you know, bet on himself. Would he work on that jump shot and make himself a threat on the perimeter and combine that with his physical tools? Right. Out of my mind, he could have been a first round. The athleticism was there. You didn't doubt the athleticism. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I'm, I'm going to end it off here on Khalil Whitney, though. Then I think we should move on. Yeah, we should definitely move on. Even if, so. he, even if he wanted to consider, or even if he did consider transferring, this would have been the year to do it because nobody's seen it then, but with the whole COVID situation going on, a lot of, a lot of uh, transfers are being, are being wavered. A lot of transfers are being that's the that's that's the problem with hindsight, man. If he would have transferred to another program, it would have been a strong possibility he got to play this year. And like you said, next year's draft is deep. But hey, maybe you do fall to the second round or something like that. But you might fall to a better uh to a better situation. You might fall to a better right. team. You never right. know. Right. You might end up doing, you might end up in a better situation than a lot of those guys going top ten or top fifteen or because those guys are most yes. likely going to worse teams. Yes. See, we we I love having you. On this show, thank you. So now we move to the Pacific Division of the Western Conference. We start off with the reigning, huh? I don't think the Lakers had a pick, did they? No, they didn't. I was just about to say that we go to the reigning champs. You know, uh, they don't. They didn't have a pick. They felt like this draft was wasn't worth even bothering taking a look at. Mark. Which makes sense, understandably so. And I mean, Lakers didn't need a draft pick. They're gonna the way they've been going to free agency. Yep. They, they, they could. You think you think they could repeat, or you think someone someone snatches well, the crown? I think it's a strong possibility they repeat, bro. Oof, it's a strong possibility. Man, I don't want the. I want my Clippers to not my Clippers. Excuse me, my team is the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, but I want the Clippers to win. I want Kawhi Leonard to, to beat the beat the Lakers. I felt like the Lakers had to win last year because of Kobe. Like they had to win that. They had to, so that's why I was I was accepting of the fact yeah, that they yeah, it was written. It was written already. Yeah, it was written already. But this year, the Clippers got it, or my Sixers, or my Sixers got to win the championship. I want them to win either one. So moving that, moving along with that, we go to the Los Angeles Clippers. We just talking about them. Mm-hmm. So the, the Clippers draft selection. I mean, what's your thoughts on the Clippers on the Clippers draft selection? They drafted. They did that. They drafted Daniel Toro, both second round picks, and Jay Scrub. Yep. I want to touch on Jay Scrub a lot. So go ahead and give give your analysis on it. All right. Yeah, I want to touch on Jay Scrub a lot too. That's the guy ah. about earlier in this episode. I think he has potential to be still at the draft. I'm saying it right now. Whoa! But I'm gonna start off with Daniel Toro because I actually really like Daniel Toro. I actually I thought we were uh, the Knicks were getting him at one point in the draft, and I really like his game. So I was happy with it. Um, he's 6'10". He's really mobile. Um, he really needs to improve on his strength because a lot of his game um, revolves around his, his post-up ability. He's really good in the post. He has good feet. 
and he has good skills, but it, it all he he just needs to bulk up a little bit more. His lower body strength, uh, he just really needs to uh, improve on that. Also, yeah. he could he could stretch the floor too a little bit. Um, I feel like now he could be more of a pick a pop guy in the mid range, but I don't see him stretching out to three so so much in the NBA like he was at Minnesota. Right. Um, as far as his role with the Clippers. I know the Clippers are really high on um, Ivica Zubak, as they should be. He played really solid for them um, towards the tail end of the season. He's a really good energy guy. Right. And um, he was a really good rebounder. He's a really good paint player also. Um, so I wonder if he's going to back him up, kind of like Montrez Harrell was doing, yeah. or if they have somebody else in mind. Actually, I think, I think he could back him up. Walker. Say again? No, I think he could, he could back him up. You think, so you think Serge Ibaka may uh, think Serge Ibaka is going to start at the four? You know what? Because I don't see why not. Yeah. I, I would start Serge Ibaka. Listen, I would. I yeah. think he could fit. Play well with the Raptors. I, I, I like uh, I like he the did. He was, he, he And he was very, very switchable, whether it was defense or offense. Like, he was mm-hmm. really good. I mean, I would – listen. And look, Daniel Turo has the, has the uh, potential to do the same thing. He has quick right. nimble feet. He has long arms. His uh, only thing is his his positioning on defense is not too good when it comes to switching out on the perimeter. He gallops a lot. He hops a lot, and it leads to him just being in bad positioning. And as a result, he, he gets shifted a lot. So in the paint, defense wise, I have no worry about him. Like I said, he just needs to bulk up. Um, I really like that pick by the Clippers. Whether they take some time with him or they throw him out there like soon. Um, as far as Jay Scrub, man, uh, I really, I really like Jay Scrub coming out of, uh, I think it was Logan College, which is the division. Yeah, Logan, Logan Valley, Logan College. Yeah. Um, a little bit about his story. He was, he was actually a really good high school player, but he didn't have the grades really to play D1 basketball. So he had to go the JUCO route and he ended up committed to Louisville, which he was supposed to play for next year. Instead, he opted to uh, go into this NBA draft, but he has a lot of raw athleticism and, uh, and his a lot of explosive scoring ability. Like, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Porter Jr. I know Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter Jr., he's fairly young himself, but their game really resembles each other. They're both left-handed. They both have nice fadeaways. They're both explosive. Uh, so I really like this pick uh, of Jay Scrub by the Clippers. I feel like he, he might be a steal. And he has so my- offensive potential also. He's, uh, he's really physical. He's really strong. And like I said, his athleticism is through the roof. So my question for you: Do you think he should have went to went to Louisville? I feel like if he went to Louisville, he could have brought his draft stock a lot higher than where he was at. Again, bro, we're talking about next year. Oh yeah, we are talking about next year, Jeff. But I feel like I feel like with him, if had he gone to Louisville, he would have dominated. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he would have solidified himself as a first round pick. It could have been a mid first round or a late first round pick. In my yeah, opinion. because you look at his game; he's made he's made for college basketball. I feel like, like Louisville. Loved him. Louisville would have definitely, and I feel like they would have gave him, like, you know, they'd have given him the keys to the car. Like, listen, take over, young fella. Mm-hmm. Like, go ahead. And I just feel like the clip, like, still the draft. Ooh, still the draft, man. Yeah. It's, a lot of, it's a lot of contenders for that in this year's draft because this yeah. draft, you don't know who is who, but he's definitely, you know, he's definitely on, on, on the list. Definitely on the list. Like you said on, Dar- on Daniel Turu, I mean, defensively, what appeals to teams defensively was the fact that it was his athleticism and his length. But at that moment, as for now, he's really raw on that end. Mm-hmm. Honestly, 
needs a lot of development too. He needs a lot of development. I mean, he's a good ball ball handler, but like you said, he's very left-handed. Daniel Toro, or what you talking about, Jay Scrub? You said that. I think Daniel Toro watching his highlights, he was really left-handed a lot. He got a to focus on being able to use his right, whether that's driving, you know, go, going to the basket, switching off, a lot of stuff he's got to do with his right hand. Jay Scrub, like you said, he's a three-level scorer. Yeah. I just think he's a lottery. I think he's his talent-wise says lottery. Yep. His talent says lottery, but it's just a matter of because he played in the JUCO, the competition was like, well, you play JUCO. Like, yeah, come, on, exactly. come on, man. Right. Well, so it's like, you got to admit, it's pretty impressive for him to be drafted out of a JUCO. No, it is. I'm not, not I'm just saying what people, about his game. I'm just giving you the, the, the perspective of why people never really talked about him that much. It was just right. like, right. he played in the JUCO league. Like, it don't matter how outstanding his accomplishments was. That one standing knock was gonna be well, he played on the JUCO team, which understandably so. But I felt like had he had gone to Louisville and dominated like he did in the JUCO, no doubt in my mind he's first round solidified. No yeah, I feel, like, I feel like he could have got drafted next year also. But you know what I'm gonna say? Yeah. Remember last episode we were talking about how Kellyanne Hayes just gives you like all star guard vibes. Right. That's what Jay Scrub gives to me, bro. I'm, I'm whoa. Oh man, he mm. does, bro. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I I, I watched the tape. I and he, like I said, he he might be a little bit of a project also, and he might also have some problems um finding his role in this in a stacked Clippers team right now that's trying to compete for a and, championship. And that's another that's another reason why I'm like, whoa, had he gone to a team where it's like then they're clearly in a rebuild. He had the opportunity to fix himself into the rotation. I would have no. I would I would have no problem. But like, nah, he's on a championship. I'd, I'd be a little more. I'd be a little more confident if Doc Rivers was still coach there instead of Ty Lue. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, because we we've seen what Ty Lue has done with team with a with a rebuilding team or with players that would be part of a rebuilding team, players that were like not uh, that wouldn't have gotten starting time on that championship team he's gotten before or he had before. You know what I mean? Right. And, but that was only five games in. That sample size is too little. Or had there been more games? It, the sample size, regardless, was too little. So I don't want to base off the thought he was bad to the point where they had to fire him that early. Hmm. But the sample size is the evidence, even though yeah. very little as it is, is yeah. still something you could just look well, at and just say, well. That's, that's just one of my questions, though. Uh, what Ty Lu, like what aspect Ty Lu is going to develop him from? Or how, like, how long is it going to take Ty Lu to develop him? See, I just had no idea how Ty Lue even right. goes about developing young prospects. Exactly. Nobody doesn't. Like, no one has no. So, it's Nobody just one does. of these. You, you, you're kind of unclear. It's just hazy. You just take it day by day and see what, you know, what can happen. Like I said, if he works on himself defensively, I don't see why he doesn't make himself a, a rotation guy. Because look at Kendrick Nunn on the Heat. He made himself time to be in the playoffs, even though he did – very badly in the finals, he he made some time to big himself a fixture in the Miami Heat playoff rotation. Same thing with uh, he was recovering from COVID though. That's what I attributed to that. You know that might have played a factor, and and Robinson as well. So you know, like I said, if they can do it and make themselves a fixture, I don't see. I think Jay Scrub is better than Robinson, and do you think he's better than Kendrick Dunn? I, I can't really say so right now because I, I we've seen him against D two competition like you said. Right. And I want to make I want to make it perfectly clear that I'm not projecting him to be an all star or I'm not projecting him to be this great 
fantastic player because you never know. Things happen. Situations don't work out. You just never know. But I'm just saying from what I see from him, he, like just the flashes, just the move, like the skill set, it screams all-star guard to me. Okay, so what grade would you give the Clippers then? What grade would you give? Yeah, I, I, like, I like both picks very much. I don't give it a – I don't – I, yeah, I, I give it an A. I'll give it an A. You give it an A. I'm going to give it a B. That's just me. I'm, I'm going to give it a solid B because it's based off can they get their time and it rotate. Yeah, I, I really hope they can. I really like these two graphics, man. Listen, I like them just as much as you do, so we make another transition. It's going to get real hot in here. We're going to Phoenix. Phoenix. Sir, Phoenix does get hot. It, it, I don't think I can see myself going there for the summertime. Oh, no way. Speak there. Listen, so the, the Suns drafted a very controversial pick. A lot of people were scratching their heads at this, including myself. It's just like, where are they going with this? They did the same thing last year with Cameron. Uh, Cameron turned out pretty well, honestly. I'm not going to lie. I was one of the people that was just like, what the eight? I was one of the people that was like, I don't know exactly what they're doing. So, listen, <laughs> you tell me. because I Listen, because so, I – I just don't understand this pick of Jalen Smith at all. I just don't understand it. So, Jalen Smith, I've actually watched since his freshman year at Maryland. I watched him grow a lot, honestly, um, both physically and um, as, as far as his skill set. Um, when he first came into Maryland, he was really slender. Um, he got pushed off of his positioning a lot. He got, like, beat for rebounds a lot. He just was really – he's really lanky, but he was just really thin, and he was easy to move. But since then, he's put on a lot of muscle. Um he still can you he, he still can stand to uh, put on some more, to be honest with you. But that's kind of attributes to his game. He's long. He has like the that DeAndre Jordan kind of build. So yeah. he's long enough to block shots. He's long enough to rebound and contest um contest shots and stuff like that. I actually really like him. He shows some skill on the offensive side. He's not a great post up player just because he he doesn't have great quarter uh, coordination with the ball and um in his lower body. But um, he will he will scrap down there, get you some buckets down there, and he also has like a budding mid range game that I like to see expand to the three point range, um, in the NBA. So as far as drafting him right there, I do believe that was a little high. Um, like I said the last episode, honestly, I've seen a team like the Boston Celtics going on him because he kind of fit the profile of what I felt like they need. Mm. Um, but this pick right here, I can see them kind of having him back up DeAndre Ayton just to get his footing under him. Like, that's the that's the only way I look at this pick, honestly. I don't even have that much to say on it. I just look at it as a backup for DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. But the way I think about it is they, they 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 had to be intrigued about something they seen during his workout. And and I, that's what that's what I mean. I'm be intrigued about. Let's say I'm gonna give this a C. That's just me. Mm. I'm gonna give this a C. Just the simple fact of being a backup for DeAndre Ayton. I mean. I don't know. They drafted. They drafted him as power forward. You never know. Who's the starter power forward right now? Would it be uh, Dario? Dario. Um, he was on the team for the six. He was on the Sixers. Dario Sarac. Yeah, Darius Sarge. Darius Sarge. So, I mean, they just resigned him too. But you never know. He might. He he might serve himself as a uh, as a good spark plug off the bench for now. No, I don't doubt it. I just think they could have had got him later, or they could have made like a trade to get him. Like, it just didn't make sense to draft him. There was better players they could have drafted at that spot than Jalen Smith. That's oh, for sure. But who knows? Maybe, who, who maybe. Would you like, who, before I grade them, who would you like to see them draft? So, I, so, now they got Chris Paul on their team, obviously. So, now you look at it from that standpoint, they got D-Buck. 
the backup point guard they traded, uh, who was it, Ty, Ty Jerome. So yeah, yeah. I would look at it from this standpoint. And the, I also – I also The main backup point guard now is Javon Carter from uh from West Virginia. He's a I don't like it. I, I don't like it. And I don't like the Chris Paul trade to the Suns. And I, I like that. I think they gave up way too much for Chris Paul. He's, he's 35, 35. How many years does he have it in the play like that? I, it just doesn't make sense. If they really was going to draft someone at the number 10 spot, so they need a backup. So at the point guard position, they could have had drafted – they could have had drafted Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, imagine him and Devin Booker playing together. There was I a think, lot of teams up there that could have used Halliburton, to be honest with you. Like, that would have been my opinion. That would have been a better pick to, to grab him. You could have drafted Kira Lewis. You yep. could have had that. Like, I just don't like that pick. I just felt like it was a – listen, I'll give it a C just based on the strength of five years from now, this guy could be something you look at and say the Suns had some vision. But as of right now, I, I'm just giving it a C. I, I just I respect that. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a B minus. I really I actually really like Jalen Smith, like you said though, or like we like we discussed um just where he fits right now, or how long he's going to be able to for him to develop into fitting a formidable role there. I and, mean, hey, they could have drafted Obi Toppin early, huh? Oh no! Actually, no. Obi Toppin fell to the egg spot. They wouldn't have had a chance. Oh, to get yeah, it's Phoenix was number ten. Yeah, but that would have been great itself. But yeah, you know, I, like I said, they could have drafted other prospects besides. They even had Cole Anthony. Uh, I don't think Cole Anthony compliments Devin Burke as well as Tyrese Halliburton does. That's my honest opinion. True. True. Yeah. So I would. I would rather Tyrese fit with Devin Booker than Cole Anthony. But so we're gonna. So what you you give it a B. So we're gonna move B over minus. B minus. So I'm yeah. just giving a straight C. So we move to the next. We go to Sacramento Kings. Oh, the Kings fan Chris isn't here. I'm wow. glad he's not here because I'm about to rip them. He would have had a whole take on this. But listen, you know how I feel about Tyrese Halliburton. I think he could be a still in the draft too. Don't be surprised if the Kings make some noise for that eighth spot in the Western Conference playoffs. I think if they can stay healthy, which is their biggest downfall, I think they can make that place for the eighth spot. De'Aaron Fox got that mass contract. It's time for him to play like an all-star. Every single 14 season. years? In 14 years, I think – I'm not saying they will. I think they have a legitimate shot at mm. really making that eighth spot. Mm-hmm. There's going to be competition, though, believe that. But I just – I like – as a Kings fan, you should feel excited for this Kings team coming up. You should feel exciting. I, I like Tyrese Halliburton so much. He fits De'Aaron Fox perfectly. He's a guy he's effective with and, and without the ball. He's not going to hinder De'Aaron Fox in any way, shape, or form. And he's also going to help De'Aaron Fox. And, like, I just think him – listen to me. So, so think about it like this. At, a, at, a, at number 12, honestly, I think he could have been drafted a little bit higher than that. So, you, sure. of course, there are some concerns about his jump shot, but he does everything else that you couldn't even ask for. Defend. He's a great passer. He's a heady. He's a he's a lead guard. And, and he can start at the two guard. He can start at the two guard. My position at six five six six. He he has no problem being there. And then you gotta look at it too. He he has a great pull up. He has a great pull up, and he's a career forty two percent from the from the three point line. And then he ha- so he's not the quickest guard. So. 
He's not the quickest guard, but it's not like slow. He's not he's not a slow guard by any way, shape, or form. I just I like this pick. He fits De'Aaron Fox. He's a guy that compliments De'Aaron Fox. Unlike Buddy Hill, he kind of demands for the ball because he thinks he's like, you know, Jamal Murray and stuff like that. And you know, Buddy Hill's a great a great guard. He's a good guard, not a great guard. He's a good guard, but. I feel like if Buddy Hill could bind to that six-man role, the Kings' is p- potential could go even further. That's just my honest opinion. And then Jemias. I, I don't think Buddy Hill buys into that six-man role. I don't think he will, and that's going to be the fact of whether or not he stays with the Kings in the future or not. I think he should, but a little to each and their own, like I said. Jemias Ramsey, he's a prospect. He could have gone in the first round, too, just based off his talent and his athleticism. And then he's young, competitive, and he can shoot. And he's, so, and, he's, and he's explosive, but he'll be behind Fox Hill, Howie Burton, and Corey Joseph. So I don't understand that pick at all for the Kings drafting him. He doesn't have no – I don't see any way he gets some time on it. But like I said, just based off his talent, skill, athleticism, and he can shoot, he could get him some time in the, in, in the rotation. If Buddy Hill doesn't want to buy into the six-man rule, obviously he'll start just because he's been there, but – Tyrese Halliburton, don't be surprised if he takes the lead by storm like Tyler Hero did. Don't be, don't be surprised. I'm telling you, he's that type of guy. He could. I, I'm gonna give the kid. I, I'm gonna just give the Kings is more of a B, B plus, just because Jamias Ramsey doesn't make sense to me. Okay. All right. Cool. I can respect that honestly. Right. Um, I actually do like the Kings draft picks. I'm, I, I'm as a fan. I really do not like the Kings. I hate the way. They go about like developing their players. They, it just never seems to work out for them. Like they ruined. They ruined. I, I really feel like Tyreek Evans and Demarcus Cousins could have been like that. That duo that goes far with the Kings. Yep, you got to remember Ben McLemore. They ruined Ben McLemore. They ruined Ben McLemore. Jimmer for that. Jimmer for that was kind of his own own downfall. And then at the time, the league didn't transition to the league it was now. I felt like he was just. In the wrong time of the NBA, yeah. Had it, had it, if you had the right coach, if you had the right coach, I feel like he would have been immersed into that kind of like a JJ Reddick rule. That's not too much to ask for. That was well, that's not too much to ask for from Jimmy for that. He'd have been exceptional in that type of role. It's yeah. just, it's just the NBA just wasn't at that time where it is now, where he would have obviously excelled. But you know, yeah, he, he missed it by like a year, like a year, or two years. Hello? Part of the same staff management as it is now. So it's kind of like, well, where do you go from and what do you see with the Kings developing the prospects now? Right. So, uh, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and go through the picks. So Tyrese Halliburton, um, I was kind of mixed on. I had mixed opinions on him uh, coming out of Iowa State, right. um, mostly because he was uh, he was linked to being drafted by the Knicks. And I personally didn't see that like that fitting in because we just have like, a log jam at point guard, right? Uh, Frank Tilakina, who's who's got a similar build to him, and, and somewhat of a similar play style. Somewhat, Tyrese Halliburton is not the defender he is, but offense I can see it a little bit. Um, and we also have Dennis Smith Jr., Damian Dotson. So we just have we just have way too many point guards, and I. And if we were to draft one, if we were to go ahead and pull the trigger on draft one, like I said in the last episode, I, I wanted to go with Killian Hayes. But um, I do, I do like this pick by the Kings. My only thing is I don't, 
I'm not sure how well off the rip they'll he'll fit in with um with the Aaron Fox because I see Tyrese Halliburton mostly as like a like a half court set off like play initiator. You know what I mean? Like going off a of pick and rolls and stuff like no, that. No, no. I had to really sit down and think about it though. But like, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So uh, so he seems like a point guard that he, I I know he's I know he's gonna transition. But he seems like one of those guards that like to slow it down a little bit more and get into his pick and roll and get into other play sets. So mm, I feel like that's not more than likely it's not going to be the case with Luke Wan. He's a running gun type of guy. And when you have a point guard like De'Aaron Fox, you had yeah. to run. Because De'Aaron Fox is literally John Wall just with a, with, with a better jump shot. So he's going to have to run. I don't think, like I say, he has any problem doing that. Because like I said, he's a guy – I don't know if his jump shot so much is better. I'm still not completely sold to De'Aaron Fox's jump shot. He showed he showed times of having cold streaks, and I'm not. And well, I'm not going to say. But, okay, but I would say this. Hold on, there's still questions about Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton's jump shot adapting to the NBA three point range. I mean, we've seen him hitting in college and stuff, but the NBA is a different game. And, and that's why I feel like he's a guy in the NBA. He's going to surprise a lot of people because I feel like the NBA is going to be suited for him. I think so. I really believe so. And then the whole DM five. So let me tell you this: comparing John, John Wall's jump shot coming in the first three seasons compared to DM Fox, who had the more improvement in his jump shot? Be honest, because I'm a John Wall fan. I would, I would have to look at percentage. We could, we would have to look at percentages to kind of determine that. If we look at the percentages, I think DM Fox is definitely going to take the cake. Uh, we can, we can talk about that later. We'll uh we'll talk about that later. Then we'll we'll let we'll let the people know in the next episode who was right. Right. We'll let that. Right. <laughs> yeah, All right. But I'm gonna uh I'm gonna go back into the Kings draft picks. So I'm not low on Tyrese Hadley Burton. I'm just curious to see how they plan to fit him in with De'Aaron Fox. Not only offensively but defensively also, where Tyrese Hadley Burton has been called like to be sort of a liability. I mean, he has long arms and he gets into the passing lanes great, but he doesn't have really quick feet and he's not really physical. And De'Aaron Fox isn't the most physical point guard either. They, he also has a really thin frame. Yeah. So, I, I want to see if their durability lasts. Because, like I said, they're, they're thin point guards. De'Aaron Fox relies a lot on athleticism. So, I'm a little more worried about him more than Halliburton. But uh, you never know. So, I just want to see if that backcourt can stay healthy and stay consistent on both ends of the floor. That's the only thing I'm looking for. Um, as far as the Jemias Ramsey pick, um, which he, I'm pretty sure he's like a combo guard. He's a little raw also, but um, like you said, he's a high scorer and he's and he and he's very explosive also. So I think he get, he brings a little excitement to Sacramento, something they they desperately need. Um, like I said, it's been a 14 year drought since they made the playoffs. It's been just one carousel of a rebuild, just one long rebuild. Um, and I'm and to be honest, after this, I like their draft, but I'm not sure if they're if they're any closer to ending that rebuild. You know what I mean? The West is just way too competitive right now. Mm. Um, and they they don't get very high draft picks to draft, like, the most talent that they, they can get. I think their their highest one in the past couple of years was Boogie at number number five it was in 20, uh, 2010. Yeah, they had they had some other picks in the top five, but they had Thomas Robinson, I think. Oh, yeah, he was a bust. Yeah, he's he so – yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'm gonna move on to Xavier Tillman, who I actually really like that Michigan State. Um, he was a really high energy player. Um, he played with a lot of tenacity. He was a good shot blocker and a good rebounder on both ends of the floor. 
So I was just looking at the Kings roster. Um, Xavier Tillman. He got drafted by the Grizzlies and he got traded to the Kings? Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at that wrong. Oh, I was like, oh, man, I didn't get any. I was looking at that wrong. My fault. That's my I, fault. Wanted, I wanted to talk about him a lot because he's another yeah. guy I want to touch on when we get to him. But Yeah, my fault. That's, that's my bad, guys. That's my bad. Got you. Got you. Got you. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I pretty much bragged about him enough. So, I'm going to move on to Kenya Martin Jr., who is their 52nd pick, who's obviously the son of uh, Kenya Martin Sr. Who, who wait, 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 wait. Are you talking about the, the Kings still? Yeah. The Kings drafted Kenya Martin? I thought, they, I thought the Houston Rockets drafted him. K, KJ Martin? The, the Rockets drafted him. With the 52nd pick. Oh, man. The thing I'm looking on, I'm, I guess it's not updated, bro. Because the, King, the Kings only had two draft picks. The Kings only had Tyrese Halliburton and Jemias Ramsey. That's the only two draft picks they had. Got but, you. All right. All right. All right so, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at a uh, – it didn't tell me like the the trades that they did as far as those two guys. My fault, guys. Okay, no, it's not a problem. Not a problem. Definitely a little a mis miscommunication. But we're gonna go to the Golden State Warriors. So, let me. Uh, so I'll, before we go to the Warriors, I'm gonna give the uh, Kings a draft grade of a C plus. C. Whoa! No way. Well, well. Eh. I mean, Jamarius Ramsey just doesn't make any sense. But Tyrese Halliburton by itself, you gotta give it a B or B plus. All right, but they, they need some big men. The only big man was Hassan Whiteside, who they just signed so far, pretty much. They gave away Harry Giles to the Portland Trailblazers, so. Yep. Who yep. was All another? Right. Oh, man. But he was an injury-prone guy, and, I, I you know, he, he got injured every single year. You always saw him on the injury list. I just yeah, wonder. I've seen a lot of potential in him, though. He's shown some flashes this season. This and he's still young. He's, like, 21. He's only 21, so, you know. But uh, 22. So now we're going to go to the Golden State Warriors. Man, some bad news for them. Clay Thompson towards Achilles and kind of put a halt on the Golden State Warriors coming back to dominating for the NBA Finals. Uh, but they did get James Wiseman with the second pick in the draft. They got Nico. I'm surprised he, he fell so far, but then a part of me is not that surprised. Yeah, yeah. He did, really, on that one. He did do bad in Arizona. He did it, not play. Like, yeah, efficiency-wise, he, he wasn't that great. He did not play like everyone expected him to. Look, bro, he was another guy that I felt like could have used another year of polishing in college, but might have been forced by that deep point guard draft next year. That, damn, that 2021 draft. You know what? We got to really sit down and talk about that draft in the, in the sure, episode. For sure. We're going to definitely do that because that draft is too talented not to talk about. Yeah, so, but yeah, Nico Manny. I think he's in a great fit with the Warriors. You get to learn under Steph Curry. I mean, what more could you ask? I mean, you know, uh, in terms of development wise, I'm sure the Warriors are. Pay- I don't want to say they're patient because they're obviously contenders, championship to- championship contenders. But Nico Manny is studying under Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. That could definitely be great for his development. Mm-hmm. But how you feel about James Wiseman? Talk to me about that pick. So, like I said, guys, I think he's the best player in this draft, and I was I was really hoping that the Warriors would draft him. Um, I simply, I simply wanted them to draft him because you see what the Warriors did with a um a rim running big man like Javale McGee who doesn't nearly have as much skill offensively as James Wiseman had. And he turned him, they turned him into a great uh, a great uh, role player, a great rim runner. And that they got him paid. They got him paid. Got him paid and got him what two, two, three rings. Yep. So yeah, hey. two rings. Hey. Yeah. Yep. So. He was a great shot blocker for them. He was a great rebounder for them. He 
and one one of Golden State's main things was second chance points and extended possessions. And JaVel McGee was perfect for that. And I see James Wiseman filling in that role perfectly, plus more. He can shoot a little bit. Like a lot of people compare him to Chris Bosch, um, because of his mid range shot. He's a left. Uh, he's a lefty also. Um, he has some skill in the post also, and he, he physically he he's one of the one of the strongest guys in this draft. Honestly, physically he reminds me a lot of David Robinson. Whoa! Physically, physically. Okay, David Robinson. Nah, James Wiseman too. He he. He not scrawny, but he definitely don't got David Robinson. He's ripped, though. He's, he's got some bulk to him, and he's only going to fill out more. What's he, 19? Yeah, I got to see a picture of James. Let me see the recent picture of James Wadman. We'll come back to that another time. But sure. uh, I don't know. That, uh, David Robinson, I don't know. That's, uh, he, he was pretty husky, man. You know, he, went, he was in the Navy. And he's a, he's a seven-footer also. He, he's a seven-footer just like David Robinson was. He got long arms. He's got those broad shoulders, bro. Yeah, I gotta see a recent pick. I gotta look on the gram and see a recent pick. But we're not talking. Obviously, bro, we're not comparing him to grown man like David. No, we're not. We're not. But I got just like I took a look at that recent pick of it. But <laughs> James Wiseman, you know what? This is this is my whole thing with James Wiseman. I feel like if he hadn't, if he had played a full season of college basketball, he'd have been the number one pick of the draft, in my opinion. Regardless of fit? Regardless of fit. He, he would have showed out that much, bro? And Paul Harley. That was a guy who, who, in that one class, I wanted Kentucky to do anything to get him. Like, I really felt like his talent, his skill, I felt like if it wasn't for the NCAA screwing him over with that BS that they had did, he absolutely would have been the number one pick in the draft. Just off three sure. games. Four games. He was projected to one all season long. He yeah. was too. It wasn't even like he he wasn't like he was projected to go number one. He was yeah, and, and then I don't know why, but like as we got closer to the draft, you see some people not even having him in his top in the, in their top ten. I'm like, what? Ridiculous. That's just complete nonsense. Yeah. I'm doing. wise man, in my opinion, I feel like if had he played a full season, had the NCAA tournament where I believe he would have absolutely shined. He'd have been the number one consensus pick. No is bus or nothing about it. And you know, like I said, NCAA screwed him over. We didn't get to see. It. He only had a small sample size of college, but in those small sample size, he looked extremely dominant. That was what kept him in the top three pick. And the work ethic, you know, definitely is there for him. He's gonna make progress. His talent is undeniable. Running under Draymond Green, besides, besides mm-hmm. not him a lot, bro. <laughs> just, being that winning, just being in that winning culture from the beginning of his rookie season, that's going to that's gonna help gonna, him out a lot. It's going to – and that's why I didn't mind LaMelo falling to number two. Like, I really didn't find – I was fine with the words that Jeff and LaMelo. Just the winning culture they can, like, help LaMelo with. Taught him how to be a professional first and foremost. Like, that's the I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I wasn't a big fan of that. What? Of LaMelo uh, going to Golden State. I just, no, I wasn't. Listen, I'm not a fan of it, but I'm looking more of a long-term. That LaMelo to the Warriors is more of a long-term type of thing. But like I said with James Wiseman, I mean, learning under Draymond, besides not teaching people how to kick people in the groin, obviously, he's going to teach, <laughs> <laughs> teach James Wiseman how, what it means about effort, diving for loose balls, Mm-hmm. Defense intensity, all the intangibles and the little things he needs to succeed in the league. Draymond's gonna make sure he take him under his wing and do that. 
I can't be more happy for James Wiseman falling falling to the to the Warriors. This could be a blessing in disguise with the NCAA screwing them over. So I got a, I got a quick question, bro. Where? So with Clay Thompson being out for the second straight season, how much do you think James Wiseman gets featured in the offense with Steve Kerr? Hmm. Well, how do you think they use him? Do you think they use him in the post? Do you think they let him shoot threes or James Wiseman could be using a post? He's a he could be fitting the perimeter. You know, I don't listen to me. He's not an offensive li- liability like JaVale McGee. Right. So that's yeah. one thing you have to factor in. So I should I would think James Wiseman would have more feature in the offense. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, Draymond's not really a scorer himself. But he can pass that rock. He, he's yes, good with the four to five passing. Yeah, yes, he can pass that rock. But being featured, we're talking about strictly being featured in the offense itself. I would feel like James Wiseman would get more touches, not a lot, because like I said, they're not going to put that load on James Wiseman. But obviously, if he shows game by game that he's ready to handle a load like that. I don't think Steve Kerr is going to hesitate, you know, to give him that load. But that's obviously a day by game by game situation. You see. So, what do you see? Uh, so, where do you see Nico Mannion fitting in, in this organization? Oh, man. I mean, honestly, I do. I mean, so who is the, the – so you look at the backup point guards for the Warriors. You got Steph. You got Damian Lee. There's another point guard that's, that's backed up, too. And then the shooting guard position, who is at the two after Clay Thompson? I think it was Kai Bowman. They had Kai Bowman starting at one of those spots last year, but I think they just lost him. I don't know. Nico Manny is another guy. You know, you look at him game by game. They have, oh, yeah, uh, Jordan Poole. Remember him from Michigan? Oh, Jordan Poole. He's a bucket getter. Oh, man. You know what? Nico Manny, I, I just don't – like I say, it had to be a game by game. If his development goes really well, he's not that much of a project like they initially thought. You know, it's just a matter of what Nico Manny can do on the defensive end because he really, really, really struggled guarding – guards in the college level and that was one of the big things inefficiency inconsistency and his defensive liabilities so, I mean, defensively what i like from nico manning though nico manning was though is that he's competitive at least defensively he might not have the quickest feet or the longest arms but he's competitive he he, he gives you effort on defense effort yes and that's why i said main thing with him effort isn't an issue it's just how did he channel that effort into efficiency that's right. his so if he can do that, I don't see why he doesn't get, you know, a, a spot inside a rotation and get some minutes and, you know, eventually he can show what he could do when he does get those minutes. Right. Um, overall, honestly, if I had to grade it, I, I, Jay, if it was just strictly James Wiseman, I'd give it an A+. Plus. But since it's Nico Minion, I'd give it a, a B+. Because um, Nico Minion, I, to me, kind of drops your grade from an A, in my opinion. You, you know what? I kind of felt the same way also because um I during the draft I seen who they picked at number fifty one who was uh Justinian Jessup who's from uh BSU and uh, I that pick I honestly didn't really understand and what from what I seen was he was a pretty good college a pretty good college scorer but if you're looking for scoring off of that bench at the at, uh the point guard or shooting guard position which well they, I mean really. He, he just signed a two-way contract with Australia's NBL, so he's not even going to be a fixture. He did. He he could potentially get a two-way contract if you know if the Warriors like what they see with him. But right, well, what is with Australia? So this is what I was thinking. What did you like to see him go after Miles Powell? He was fit in the Warriors offense, <laughs> but Miles doesn't do anything else besides that. That's it. That was his biggest downfall. So. 
Well, besides score, but at yeah. least you know he's going to bring that to the table. I, you you wouldn't like, know that this guy. At least you know, know that's what you're getting from him. At least you know he's going to do it, not from out the gate, but he's going to find his. I feel like he's a player that can find his ABA groove um, once he gets reps and once he gets a lot of playing time or he gets consistent minutes. I feel like he, he could eventually find his, uh, his fit. And then not to mention as much of the defense liability he is, he's not really a guy that, you know, you look at his assist averages, you might think, well, you know, he's good at passing the ball. It's not really like that. He's more of a, like a – he passes the rock because he's forced to pass the rock. Of course, he only makes the passes when it needs to be passed, but nine times out of ten. Well, I'm, I'm not talking about if they were to bring him in to become like their solidified backup two guard. You know what I mean? I was oh, just, okay. Like, just a rotational play that they could have come in and be a threat from outside. Oh, they are looking at Clay Thompson this year for the second straight year. If, and you, if you if you watched them last year, you can tell like they're young guys that uh that they had playing in that backcourt, starting with Curry and Clay. They just couldn't score. They struggled to score. If you're strictly using him, like you said, for that, I don't see why not. But like I said, it's an overall thing with them. So and he just you know he just lacked too many stuff. For you to sit there and just, I mean, as a late second round pick, I don't see why not you just take a gamble on him and see if he develops to anything more than that. But, you know, like I said, Miles Powell's like, what, 22, 23s on the older side? So, he thinks his potential isn't that high enough to begin with. How much can he really improve? You know, all that stuff is taking the The Warriors are already established team, so I don't see see why they'd honestly care about that. You got a guy that's established. He he's got he's got uh, reps under his belt. He's he's got experience. Steph Curry is what 32, 31? Clay Thompson is what? How old is Clay Thompson? He, is he is he in his thirties? Draymond is like in his thirties. Yeah, so that, that's the oldest group right there. So I feel like you know at the same time they're established, but how many years can they play at that level? So true. So yeah, at. so like I like to get to my point though. Uh, just because the other two picks I wasn't, like, a big fan of, I did want to bring down the Warriors grade. But I, I'm so happy about the Wiseman pick. I, I, I want to give him an A-. minus. Okay. Okay. I can see it. I'm going to give him a B-plus, though. Just I, – I, I'm just giving him a, a B-plus. That's that's just – I feel like Nico Mannion just – I don't know. I don't see his fit on there. So, now, last but not least, we're in the last division of the Western Conference, the South – was the vision? We start with the Houston Rockets. A lot of stuff is going on with them. Where is Westbrook going to go to? Where is Harden going to go to? The Warriors, I mean, the Rockets say they're not looking to trade Harden, but Russell has been in trade talks. We will see what team he goes to eventually. Uh, they drafted Kenyon Martin's son. I mean, I feel like they just drafted him just to draft him. I mean, obviously, he could develop into something more. I guess, but then when you're looking at this situation, they're looking to trade Russell and potentially James Harden made it clear he wants to leave the Houston Rockets. So it's like he they could be in the rebuilding mode. So this is where they take a pick like KJ Martin in the second round, the 52nd pick, and you just see what he could do when those in those heavy heavy minutes he gets. You know, like, right, right. Like yeah, like we all know, he's still really raw. Right. Um, like, is there. Yeah, he he did a postgraduate year at IMG, right? Yes, he did. IMG Academy. Yeah, so uh, we didn't really get to see him as much uh, if, like, compared to if we were to see him in college, go to college. I think he was committed to Vanderbilt at first, right? Uh, he was committed to Vanderbilt. He was supposed to yeah. join um, his Got buddy, Bobby Pippen Jr., yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, I, honestly, I honestly would have liked to see him go there. I think he would have really excelled in the college game. 
Um, but like you said, I think this was just a pick just to see what they could do with him. He might – I'm pretty sure he's going to get a lot of reps in, to, uh, in the G League. Yeah, that's probably – I mean, with, with his dad as his – you know, as his, like his head, you know, he could give him the NBA wisdom, experience, and everything like that. So that's definitely important in itself. But, you know, I, honestly, I'm going to get a pick of C+. Plus. C, yeah, C. I, I'll agree with you. I'll get a pick of C, C+. Plus. You know, but let's – huh? No, I was just going to end off by saying he uh, he does have a lot of upside, though. I want to see him – I honestly do want to see him do good because I, I actually like Kenyon Martin Sr. No, I definitely like Kenyon Martin Sr. Not the greatest – not the greatest number one pick in the draft, but he's one of those number one, number one picks in the draft. If you look at his career – it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. It's just literally like it's not worth the number one pick. But he wasn't bad and he wasn't great. He was just stolly. Right. So, Dallas Mavericks, I love their draft. Mm-hmm. Starting off with Josh Green, he fell in the right position where he should have fell. Tyrell Terry, another guy you look at, he's going to contribute. And Tyler Bay of Colorado, Tyler Bay. I mean, I think the Mavericks nailed this draft. I mean, he's going to – I look at him. I look at Luke Richard, my baby Mute. That's the type of guy I look at as a comparison to him. He's an explosive. He's versatile. He's a combo forward. He's a two-way player. And and he showed, and he showed the ability to be able to play at the three and, you know, do a small ball forward position if the, if the team, the Dallas Mavericks, is ever, ever looking for that. He got the foot speed to really defend the – perimeter as well and he excels on both ends of the court so he's a defense the two-way play like i said he's going to give you effort intensity he does mm-hmm. that and he plays with determination every night i'm talking about not russell westbrook determination where he, but it's it's close and yeah. that's what you need in a guy like that he's going to give you effort you know he's not going to cheat you he's going to play to the best of his abilities shooting for him Hello? Josh Green, in my opinion. I like Josh Green. He's a he, he's a good defender, good jump shot, had the ability to take over the point guard role when uh when when, when Nico Mannion didn't play well or, you know, he wasn't in the game. He did pretty okay, did pretty good handling the ball as a point guard. He's an average, he's an average passer. He's a good three-point shooter. I mean, what's your thoughts on Josh Green? Um, I actually really like Josh Green. He's uh he's pretty intriguing. He's a, what about six, 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 seven? Yeah, no, he's six six, and um, he has the layout to be a really good scorer, a really good three level scorer. Um, he has a nice form. Um, he's quick on his feet. I just want to see him um improve his playmaking ability, his, his ability to uh shoot off the shoot off the dribble, and I want to see if in his Mavericks uh and his Mavericks system if he'll even be good shooting off of the uh shooting off of screens and shooting off of pin downs, coming like off of Luka, Luka Doncic assists and stuff like that. Wow. Um. Tyler Bay, Tyler Bay, I actually found out about late, um, like closer to the draft. I actually do really like him though. He reminds me a little bit of Aaron Gordon, just just smaller. He's about six seven, but he's very explosive. Um, he's a rim runner. He's kind of stuck between that uh, that combo forward position. So I, I'm I'm uh, I'm eager to see what Dallas use, uh, uses him for. Um, and Tyrell Terry, he kind of fits that mold. Uh, I see. I was gonna save him for last. So I'm looking at it like so. You got Jalen Brunson, 
I mean, even mm-hmm. though Luca Luca Doncic really handles the ball for the Mavs, but then you got Darnell Darnell right. I just you know, and he Tyrell Terry is only six two, six one. Yeah, he's you really know. small. He's about one hundred and sixty pounds. Right, and it's well. He, it's like I just don't know how to feel about that pick, honestly. Like that's was like that pick. I don't know how to feel about that. I just don't know where. So he, honestly, I think because the Dallas Mavericks backup point guards aren't great scorers, they wanted to bring a scoring point guard off that bench to kind of feed off of Luca's scoring. You know what I mean? Right. So he fits the mold of kind of like that Trey Young, Steph Curry type shooter. He's undersized. He's really thin, but he's good at shooting off the of screens. He's good at shooting in transition, and he's good at shooting off the dribble. So I kind of like this pick by the uh, by the Dallas Mavericks. So what grade? So what grade do you give the Dallas Mavericks overall on the draft selections? Um, so I, I'm gonna give the Dallas Mavericks an AP because I felt like the biggest thing they needed to prove on was simply just depth, and yeah. I feel like they didn't get it in this draft, but they need a third player to put in with Kristaps and Luka Doncic. I feel like, but that may come during uh. Could it came during this year's free agency? May come during next year's free agency. You never know. I'm not really sure how far away the Mavericks are from seriously competing for, uh, let's say, the Western Conference Finals or even the NBA title. But um, I think with this draft, they're going in the the right direction. Though. I like the depth that they added. I'm gonna give them an A minus. That's how I'm feeling with the Dallas Mavericks. I'm giving them an A minus. So now we make the transfers from Dallas to Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis Grizzlies. All right. I love the Grizzlies. Listen, I'm going to talk about Xavier Tillman. He was the big factor with him and Matt McQuad being Duke's super, super trio in the tournament last year. He's a guy that he fits well with the Grizzlies culture, even though they're not the gritty, you know, hard-nosed uh, the culture that the Grizzlies were for the past 10 years. Getting there, though. He, he, but he's definitely a guy that would have fit in there had he been drafted while, you know, the team had his core players back then. Listen, he's a guy, he's going to – he was he emerged as one of the most dominant big men in the entire Big Ten over the course of the last two years. Let that sink in. He's a gifted defender. And then the guy has great discipline. He doesn't fall for pump fakes. He's so disciplined. He just knows how to react on the defensive end, and he puts effort into the defensive Listen, and then he's a vocal guy. He leads, He's the leader. That's one thing about him. Like, if you saw him besides Cassie and Winston, he was sitting there directing the guys, defensive position, when to switch. Like, he's a guy, the tangibles is all there. The defensive ability is there. The offense is just – it's not good, but it's not bad either. He's a great pick for the, for the Memphis Grizzlies. I think he's going to excel – with the Grizzlies even more. You got Desmond, Desmond Bain, even though TCU. Uh, uh, like I said before, this guy right here, he nailed 42% of his three-point shots. He's a shooter. All right, this guy's going to give you shots from the three. He's going to stretch the floor out for you guys. I mean, he's – listen, he's 6'6". He got a nice, good physical body. He got good strength. I like the pick too. I mean, I, I like I like Desmond Bain. He was a guy that could have gone higher in the draft, but you know, he fell to the last pick in, in the first round. I'm surprised, but the Grizzlies can't complain about this. They gotta love this pick as well. I mean, you know, if you look at him, I would say he's a stronger version of Courtney Lee. That's how that's why I look at it. Mm. That that's how I look at him. He's a stronger version of Courtney Lee. <laughs> you know who I was gonna, you know who I was gonna compare him to? Compare him. At least. At all the Yeah, uh, he kind of reminds me of Kevin Martin. 
Ooh, Kevin Martin. He was a bucket getter. A lot of people sleep. He had that weird shot from the hip, too. That just shot weird. was just weird, but it went in, though. It was money. He was getting it in. And that's what Desmond Bain has. But what I like to see from Desmond Bain's shot, even though it even though it is a little unorthodox, he's comfortable getting it off when coming off the screens and when he's uh creating off the dribble. He's not right. the most creative guy because his handles aren't really up there, but he's physical and he he knows how to get to his spots. And he has great range. So I really like this pick by the Memphis Grizzlies. He gives he gives them an extra scoring punch off the bench. And kind of like uh kind of like Xavier Tillman and even John Morant, they kind of have like that that nasty factor to them like that it factor and like that competitive nature to them. Exactly. And that's why I like the Xavier Tillman pick. Like you were talking about the grit and grind Grizzlies. That's one of my, one of my favorite teams of all time. And I feel like they're kind of getting back to that identity. This Xavier Tillman pick, he's strong. He's a great rebounder. Um, he's explosive, not super explosive, but he, he's, a, he's athletic enough to get by. And he's a good shot blocker. And I feel like he would do a good job of backing up Jaron Jackson. And so, then, and, and and coming off of that, what you said, I think he might be the best prospect inside the Grizzly Jazz Jazz selection in the twenty twenty draft, Xavier Tillman. And mm-hmm. then you got Robert, Robert from 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 Mississippi State. So he's the guy. He, he didn't got, get. He was traded to the Kings, bro. He got traded to the Kings. Yeah. Oh. See that that's where we had the mix up at because Xavier Tillman got traded to the Grizzlies from the Kings. Ah, that's what okay. vice versa. With our vice versa, yeah. So okay. we kind of forgot to cover him, but uh, I mean, so we yeah. should we should cover him. I mean, he didn't get that many exposure due to the pandemic, but he has he, he had the physical the physical skills. You know, the three point numbers is is kind of questionable because he didn't really take that much three pointers, but he he had a chance to develop into a solid role player. If anything, that's his outlook for his NBA career. Not anything else so, higher than that. What I, what I really like about him is he, he's more of a scrap guy, more of a defensive player. But I, what I really like about him is that he's 6'7", but his wingspan is about seven feet wide, seven feet long. He so that allows him to be a good yeah. rebounder at Mississippi State. And I can see that being his niche in the NBA, being a defender, getting into passing lanes, just making people struggle, kind of like Tony Allen did. So I, even though he's for the Kings, I, kinda, I, I can see that pick somewhat working out. Listen, I mean, like I said, the the Grizzlies had a great draft selection. I'm gonna give them an A minus. Uh, I'm gonna give them a B plus just because. Um, I'm curious to see how de- how fast Desmond Bain uh, earns minutes because I feel like he could be a great factor for them, but I'm not sure if he's gonna earn minutes off the rip because they have guys like Dylan Brooks and uh, I can't I can't remember his name right now. I'm sorry. Oh, and Grayson Allen. Oh, I got you. Grayson yeah, Allen is uh he 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 got himself some menace inside of rotation for the Grizzlies, so who you know. Yeah. But I think Desmond Bean is a better prospect than Grayson Allen. So Hey, I, I respect it. I like I like the direction they're going in though. I like their draft the past couple of years, and I definitely like their draft this year. It all started with with uh drafting that superstar John Morant. Yes, sir. So, you know, sometimes you need a superstar to make the head go. So and they did just that during John Morant. So now we go to the San Antonio Spurs, one of the greatest coach in NBA history, Greg Popovich. That man knows what he's doing. Always know. I, I never – you know one thing about the Spurs? I never questioned their draft choices. Even if it seems like I couldn't understand it, I know since they, their track record of developing guys in the second round. Wait, 
Or even if you, or even if you know, or even when you know, like they're about to just draft and stash them, you still got like a good feeling about the guy either way. Yes, like the, it just seems like the Spurs, like they don't miss in a draft, mm-hmm. and they don't even draft lottery type of guys too. That's the crazy part about it. Yep. So now they drafted Devin Vassell from Florida State. I love that pick. He's yes, going to fit exceptionally well with the Spurs. I mean, literally. So I saw how the Spurs used. So their guys at the three, they I saw how they use Kelvin Johnson and Lonnie Walker. I felt like the Spurs could have had used another athletic wings, and it felt like Devin Fessel, he he fit with, he fits with the Spurs playing style. He fits. Mm-hmm. He's not a flashy guy. He does everything the right way. He doesn't go overboard, but he doesn't go under as well. He fits with the Spurs uh, the Spurs temperament. And then you got Trey Jones. I just don't understand this pick. I love Trey Jones. If the if the point guard position, the shooting guard position wasn't so stacked with the Spurs, I would have given this an A, but I can't. Trey Jones will benefit from the from playing the Spurs with Greg Popovich as his coach. But I just don't see him with Derek White, DeJounte Murray, you got Patty Mills, you got and then the shooting guard position is already stacked as it is. I just don't see why the Spurs took Trey Jones unless they're looking to deal with one of those guards they have, which I mean, I guess they probably should if they drafted Trey Jones. They saw something he liked. I'm surprised he fell all the way to the second round. That, that kind of threw me back. I was sure he was going to get drafted in the first round. But, you know, I guess that's not the case. He fell to the Spurs. I mean, what's your thoughts on the Spurs draft selections, in my opinion? Um, so, I'm actually I'm actually start off with Trey Jones. I do like the Trey Jones pick. I know they have – um, did, did they still have Bryce Cotton? Did they keep Bryce Cotton? I, let me check. I mean, uh – that's not his name. I can't remember his name right now, but I'm sorry. Uh, Bryce. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I know who. I don't. I think. Oh, Michigan I, State. No. I is he still? Brent. Uh. It was. It was Brian something, bro. It was like Brent or Brian something. San Antonio. I, I'm looking. I. I don't even know his last name, man. I. I, I know exactly who you're talking about. No. Uh, I'm trying to look up their roster right now. We should ah, – he looked like Ben Simmons. <laughs> he looked like Ben Simmons. That's why I remember his name so much. Like, I remember his face. He looked just like Ben Simmons, like a small version of Ben Simmons. Brent Forbes. Brent Forbes. There we go. Brent Forbes. He, he's another shooting guard for the team. He, he, so, he's with the Bucks right now. He's with the Bucks right now. He's with the Bucks. Oh, okay. But Trey played it too. Huh? Trey Jones, Trey Jones can't play the two. Well, he was a he was a point guard. They had Derek White playing the two off the uh, off the bench. Well, there, well, there, Derek White in his game, he's more of a combo guard. Trey Jones can't really be a combo guard. That's so not, that's not. I feel like Trey Jones is more of like their pick for the future, though, because right. they see the defensive potential and the playmaking potential that he has, and I feel like they plan on pairing that with the John T. Murray's. Budding uh, playmaking potential and his already set in defensive potential. I think he's like the youngest to make the off defensive first team. Uh, was yeah, I think he was. He was. So I could see that being just like a lockdown, uh, a lockdown backcourt that could really do a good job of getting the transition for the San Antonio Spurs in the future. So I I actually do like that pick. And I mean, I just. I feel like with that many guards on the roster, like does he like where's his fighting chance to you know compete for you know side of road? I think the Spurs obviously will give him a chance too, but with that so many, how guards, long how long do you think they have Patty Mills for? How long do you think Patty Mills plays for? 
I'm not entirely sure. I mean, that depends on how how Craig Popovich look at Petty Mills, you know, for the long-term future. Because Greg well, Popovich isn't going to coach the Spurs forever. That's what I'm saying. And so that's why I think, that's why I think that pick was kind of set up the future, like like after after Popovich. Right. So I, I can respect that pick. I actually really like that pick. And um, as far as Devin Fassell, I really like that pick too because you know who – I'm not you kill I know you, you kill me with these uh these comparisons and stuff. What? Uh what I see in Devin Vassell coming out of uh what was it Florida State, right? Yeah. what I see him and him is kind of like what I see out of Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard coming out of San Diego State. Oh man. Kawhi Leonard. I mean listen. SDSU Kawhi Leonard, bro. Not Spurs or not. Kawhi Leonard, he was only a defender. He couldn't really score coming out of the league, could he? No, but all right, you know what? All right, I'm talking from you know like what? a defensive perspective. They have like they have like they both have long arms. They're both great perimeter defenders. That's what I see in them. He but has, you like, know what? I feel like with the Spurs, he has the potential to become Kawhi Leonard. It, my point exactly. Not not exactly Kawhi Leonard. He might not. He not might might not be as great as a scorer Kawhi Leonard is. I, right. Like, you know how that's that's hard to become. That's hard to become, absolutely. Yeah. So, but the defensive, the like, like a 16, 17 point per game guy, I can see that. I can see it, yeah. He could get out in transition. He could finish. He has those long arms, and he's athletic, bro. You know what? Yeah, that's why I say I'm really high on on on, on their first-round pick. This Trey Jones is just, you know, I don't know. That many guards. But like I said, we'll see. What the Spurs? So, what's your grade for the Spurs? This, I'm gonna give the Spurs a. Uh, I'm gonna give the Spurs an A minus. A minus. I'm gonna give them a B plus. That's that's how I'm carrying it. So, the last team in the in the Southwest Division and the last team in the Western Conference that we're doing the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's give it up for the team with the most potential in the West as a young. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, when you got Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson, and Jackson Hayes, listen, buddy, listen, that team will dominate for years to come if they pull out to their potential, which I think they will. But I'm going to be honest with you. This pick was really confusing for me. So what do you do? So it's like you, you, you draft him to be a backup guy, but his talent, I feel like Kira Lewis can't be a backup. There's no way he could be a backup. He has too much talent to be a backup. That was, a, that was one guy I wanted Kentucky to, to get recruit so hard, but they didn't. They, they favored Ashton Higgins over him and stuff like that. That's why they didn't get Kira Lewis. I feel like had he been at Kentucky, we'd probably win another championship. But I was just like, so how does he have the – how does he have that chance to be a leader and use his intangibles that made him so great to be a starting point guard when there's Lonzo Ball? And to kill Alexander Walker. Exactly. It's like, and Kira's more suited to be a one than a two. It's not that he can't be a two because he can score. He's got De'Aaron Fox, John Wall speed. Yeah, Transition-wise, you don't even got to worry about him. He's going to get up and down. His defense, he defender, he plays defense. I just feel like, like, why, like, what do you do with Lonzo Ball if you're gonna take him? Because then it's right. just of like, do you think he he would be better than Lonzo Ball in the future, or, or or now? Is that what the Pelicans are looking at this pick? 
I would have loved this pick. I would have loved Kieran Lewis not being drafted by the Pelicans, but they drafted him. So now it was just a matter of what, how are they going to fit him in, into the, to the system? And that's why I'm so confused. This isn't – I don't know how to say a bad pick. Kieran Lewis isn't a bad pick, but I just feel like the Pelicans was just a bad team for him. Like I said, I could be wrong, but I just don't like Kieran Lewis in this fit with the Pelicans. Just no, I work. definitely agree with you, bro, because you have two point guards that, like I, uh, like I said, I can't, I can't remember who I said it about. Nikhil Alexander. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that's Shy Goods, Alexander Cousin. Yeah, yeah, that's his cousin. And then at two, you got Josh Hart, J.J. Yep. Reddick. You know, it's like. I just don't understand the fit of drafting. I guess, you know, maybe Nikel Alexander-Walker probably didn't impress them enough in his rookie year, but that's the rookie year, you know. It's like, I, I just don't know. Yeah, like I was saying, they um they have two young point guards that just haven't really found, like, their footing in the NBA 100% yet. Like, Lonzo Ball, we have, we've seen flashes from Lonzo Ball, but he hasn't – fully put it together yet. We've seen how bad his performance was in the bubble, which might have led to the Pelicans drafting Kerry Lewis at number 13. Who, who knows? Who knows what uh, what the future holds or how how they're trying to um, build around Zion, Brandon Ingram right now, as far as their point guard position goes. Because they also have Eric Bledsoe, who I assume is going to uh, – I'd assume oh. he's at the one and Lonzo at the two. See, and that's why I'm even somewhere because I didn't. I, I was trying to. I didn't even mention Eric Bledsoe because I'm just thinking like, well, where does like? I just don't like this pick. I just don't know why the Pelicans would draft Kerry Lewis. Like I, I, like I just don't. I just don't see the fit in the Pelicans. I gotta give this like a C, but I'm giving it a C just because based off just the talent that Kerry Lewis gives you and the skills he can give you, but it's just like the fit, man. Like mm-hmm. where does he fit? And he he does have a bit of a similar game. He's not as physical as Eric Bledsoe is, but he's he's an up and down point guard like Eric Bledsoe is. He's very explosive, very athletic. So maybe you think he like to learn a thing or two from him. But um, like you said, I just don't see where he 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 fits in into this backcourt this backcourt situation going on in New Orleans. I just like you said, like I'm on the same page, you know, with you, man. I just don't understand. I'm, I'm giving this a C. Honestly, I just don't understand what they're going to do. Maybe Lonzo disappointed them too much in the buzzle. I feel like Lonzo is the perfect point guard to suit up with Zion Williamson. Definitely is, but he, he's got to show up consistently. Exactly. So that's so – I mean, like I said, this might have drafted this pick just to motivate Lonzo. Like, hey, listen, we wasn't too impressed with what you did in the bubble. But they played well in the 19 and 21 games before COVID. Like, Lonzo looked like a bomb for not great point guard. Yeah, it, it, it had to be something that went on over, over that break. Maybe he wasn't training hard enough. Maybe he wasn't. Right. So, it's, that's – yeah. He wasn't getting enough reps in with that new form of his. You never know. You know what? That might have been a factor. But, you know what? As for now, we're going to get – I'm going to give this a C. I don't know what you grade for this team. I'm going uh, to give them a D for this pick. At, just number, at number 13, I just don't see – I just don't see the fit for this. You know what? Like I said, we'll see years later. Maybe Kerry Lewis might end up being a better point guard than Lonzo. Who really knows? But that – huh? No, I was going to say um, I would actually like them seeing – I would actually like to see them pick Precious or Shiva at that pick right there. That would have been a good pick. Yeah. Man. That's what I was hoping for. But 
Well, that concludes our draft recap grading. So we graded the Western Conference. And if you haven't taken a look at the previous episode, we graded the, the Eastern Conference. So that's all our review and analysis of the Western Conference teams when they made their draft selections in the 2020 NBA draft. Uh, we will also talk about the free agencies and talk about how well uh, each team has done in the same format we've done with the NBA draft. We're going to cover the Western Conference first, and we're going to cover the Eastern Conference. Uh, thanks a lot for tuning in, whether it's in the morning or afternoon, for taking the time out of your day to just tune in to us, newly fresh-started young guys with a passion for the basketball and football. And we just want to appreciate every single one of you for tuning in, no matter who you are, where you at, we appreciate it. And it's only going to go up from here. Thanks a lot, Kyrie. I hope to see you on many more episodes. I think you will, as you should. Can't wait to chop free agency up with you, bro. I can't wait. Can't wait. I'm excited to it. And thanks a lot once again for everyone tuning in. And have a blessed day, everyone.